Today's episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15 is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. We would normally be a little over two weeks into the season, so what might have happened by now? Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three co-brews uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Friday, April 10th. I'm Al Melchior, and I am here with Derek Van Riper and uh, DVR. No real baseball, but I think you and I are both uh, knee-deep into simulations, so that'd be fun to catch up on those uh, today and uh, spend a little time on actually a sim that we're not directly involved with, but uh, Stratomatic is simming the season. They've got some really interesting results. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the the out-of-the-park sim that we're uh, doing at The Athletic a little bit later on. But um, uh, the the Stratomatic sim, uh, having taken a a quick look at the results, uh, is there anything in particular that uh, stood out to you as interesting, totally implausible, something you might respond to in real life i started looking at the brewers because they're the team that i you know cover and, and root for um so it's pretty interesting because i think christian yelich is hitting 217 so far in the strat sim through 12 games but he's five for five in stolen bases he's got a couple of home runs uh i, I always think it's interesting when we get to the first couple of weeks of a season when a star player has either bad ratios if they're a pitcher, a low batting average if they're a hitter, like basically a slump to begin the season and kind of seeing how people react to that. And I think the example last season was Chris Sale. And I think for weeks it was, what's wrong with Chris Sale? And it turned out later something was wrong, but maybe that wasn't the issue at the beginning of last season. Um, Freddie Peralta has not allowed an earned run in seven and one-third innings in the Strat season, so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, Corbin Burns has pitched well thus far although entirely in relief so maybe some concerns there and adrian hauser and josh lindblom have been not great eras of five and above so uh definitely some things that raise an eyebrow as i look at the brewers keston here has got three home runs as well Uh, but as you've taken in some of these box scores and and overall stats through a dozen or so games for each of these teams uh, what's caught your eye well, uh, first of all, I'll just talk about it from a, a process standpoint that, uh, you know, as you were mentioning, you know, through, through the first couple of weeks of the season where, you know, we should be just categorizing things as streaks and slumps. And I was surprised by, I shouldn't have been surprised DVR, but, you know, my reactions to some of these things um, and how this is maybe a time for me to take a lesson in following my own advice in real baseball or, you know, real fantasy baseball. Uh, just an example. Uh, the pitcher that has allowed the lowest batting average is Wade LeBlanc. And I know that if Tout Wars was going right now, I'd be putting a bid on Wade LeBlanc and taking a flyer. 
because a couple years ago, he was actually pretty good, and he had one of those pretty good seasons that people are ready to dismiss, You know, probably largely because of Wade LeBlanc's track record, but also the way that he did it with a low Babbitt rate and not a very high strikeout rate. But he just did a lot of little things better than a lot of other pitchers. So I could see myself looking at this hot start by Wade LeBlanc after you know probably three starts or so and saying, yeah, I was right about him in 2018. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I know that you and I, this time of year, normally we'd be telling people don't, you know, don't get uh, reeled in by small samples and all that sort of thing. And yet, even just looking at simulated stats, um, I felt myself getting reeled in. Yeah, it definitely happens. It's seeing it in the box score form and even the team stats, the way they're listed, it just gives you that old newspaper feel. So it just seems so authentic. Uh, looking at the Atlanta pitching staff, Mike Soroka has a 707 ERA through three starts in Stratomatic. And you look at the other columns, oh, 17 strikeouts in 14 innings. I guess that's good, right? We were kind of worried about strikeouts for Soroka. Uh, but I think we'd be panicking if that were actually happening. Mike Fultonevich has a 969 ERA. He only has five strikeouts in 13 innings. That scares me. <laughs> even in a sim, Like that's bad enough to make me worried, even though I know I shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, those kinds of things are really uh, all over the place. So uh, there are a few results, uh, some team results, which I know are not, you know, directly fantasy relevant, but I thought they were interesting, and I think they're things that we can discuss a bit. And then some other uh, individual results that we haven't talked about and uh, just assess maybe the the realism of those results or how we might respond to those in in an actual season. But let's start with some team results. Uh, So the best teams so far after uh, a little over two weeks of the sim are the Rays, the Athletics, and the Padres, all 10 and 3, and the Indians 10 and 4. So the Rays and A's don't surprise me. The Padres and Indians definitely do. And uh, not as good in terms of the the one loss record, but probably bigger surprises are the Royals going 8 and 4 and having a lot of players on the leaderboards and the Marlins breaking even at 7 and 7. That one birds me a little bit DVR because I'm running the Marlins not in the Athletic out of the park, but in uh, a second out of the park league that I'm in and my Marlins are currently 2 and 10. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing something wrong, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. I mean, I've got the the Padres in our out of the park simulation lead that we're playing out, and the first week of games has been simulated, and my team's three and four. And I signed Yasiel Puig, and I, I thought I was being pretty aggressive by putting Mackenzie Gore in the rotation and and using six starters to begin the year, which might be my twist on reality that we're just not going to see, especially the six man rotation part, but. Uh, it is funny to see different sims kind of progress down totally different paths. And, you know, a team like the Marlins, like I think back to last season, Seattle got off to an outstanding start and they were pretty horrible after the first 20 games. But there was this brief glimmer of hope. And most teams are capable of at least providing that. Even the worst teams can be good for a couple of weeks. And that's kind of all it takes for you to start to believe in a team or even a player. You know, it, it takes two weeks, three weeks before you start to buy in to some of the things that happen in any given year. Yeah, and I think that that ties in a little bit with what we were discussing earlier, that, yeah, that Mariners uh, early streak, that's a great example where uh, we were all surprised by that. I'm assuming that I was certainly surprised by that. And then you look at the the, the pieces that make up the the total sum, and you know, oh, you know, um, 
Uh, I think you know Domingo Santana got off to a great start last year, and you know, huh, you know, maybe this is where he really puts it all together, and you just start weaving narratives, uh, you know, because of the the overall team success. A uh, couple of teams not off to good starts in the sim. The White Sox and the Mets are both three and nine. Which of those, if this were real, would surprise you less? The Mets, because they're the Mets, uh, <laughs> they, you know, they shouldn't have a three and nine start. But any team can go three and nine over twelve games. It's just kind of the nature of how things work. And you know, just given the negativity that surrounds that organization, you'd have to wonder if a, a slow start like that would be even more problematic for them than it would be for for other teams. But uh, some of the other things that have really kind of caught my eye, looking at some of the leaderboards, categorically speaking, even though the team hasn't had success, Eloy Jimenez has a league-leading seven home runs in the sim, and he's second in RBIs uh, with 16. Uh, so it's really interesting to see just some of the surprise names there. I mean, Bo Bichette's got six home runs in the simulation as well, and if you ask me which road history category with Bo Bichette I'm most concerned about, it's probably actually home runs. I think the playing time is going to be there. The lineup's good, so runs and RBIs are fine. I think the speed is real, even though he didn't run a lot when he came up last year. I think he can be a steady contributor in that category. But I don't know if I see a guy who's going to be on a league-leading home run pace there as, as great as I think he is. Yeah, well, yeah, I uh, noticed that too. And I think that's an interesting case. And again, one that could have some fancy ramifications because I had that same reaction last year when uh, you know he came up and, and played in 46 games for the Blue Jays. And uh, the, the power was you know, uh, a better part of his game than the, than the speed was, than the steals were. So if that get, that gets reinforced in the first two weeks of the 2020 season, uh, you know, do you maybe sell, you know, try to sell him just not buying into it yet? Or do you maybe start to think, Hmm, maybe this is just the player he's going to be. Yeah. I think you do get to a point where you start kind of going down that ladder path. You start to say, all right, maybe something that got him through the minors is not necessarily as important to the Blue Jays to have him continue doing that. You know, maybe they see him and say, we think the power is real. We think he's a middle of the order run producer in the long run, and we don't want to expose him to unnecessary risk. So, you know, maybe the organizational philosophy at the top is different than it is in the minors, whereas in the minors, they might say, yeah, if you want to steal some bases, that's fine. Uh, But we're going to be a little more careful about that. Uh, so he's just an interesting player for so many reasons. His ADP is shot up throughout draft season. Uh, but Kevin Biggio is right there on that home run list, too. He's he's right behind him. He's got five. So it uh, just looks like the Jays individually uh, have a little bit of helium. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it's in our out-of-the-park. I mean, so many sims now that it's hard to keep track. But uh, our out-of-the-park sim, I think the, the Blue Jays, are uh, they have the best record so far. That is correct. Yeah, so... Uh... You know, something we could do a whole other show on that, perhaps. Uh, all right, well, let's uh, talk about a few fast starters in the sim and how you might handle this in actual fantasy. Nicky Lopez, one of the leaders in runs scored. And again, as I mentioned before, there's a, quite a few Royals gracing the leaderboards uh, with their eight and four start. But Nicky Lopez is certainly not one of the players I would have predicted to be to be among them. Just one run off of the lead. And Whit Merrifield, I think, is one of the players that's actually leading in runs scored. Nicky Lopez right behind him. Tommy Edmond has uh, currently the longest active hitting streak at 13 games. And Nick Solak, 
is among the leaders in both slugging percentage and runs created per 27 outs. Uh, that's a stat I haven't cited in a long time. It's a good one. Uh, <laughs> so, Nicky Lopez, Tommy Edmond, Nick Solak, uh, are now I don't know what your degree of belief or skepticism is in, in any of those three players, but I think we could probably say that you know these are not things we would have expected right out of the shoot. Uh, how would you handle this kind of situation in general? Would you look to sell these players, or if maybe you got, you know, you got Nicky Lopez uh, in the reserve rounds in, in a fifteen team mirror, and you're thinking, ah, maybe, maybe I was onto something here. Uh, you know, let's let's play it out. This is where I think the new wave of stats, stat cast numbers, come in particularly handy because with Nicky Lopez, the first question I would have if you got off to a start like this in a real season. I would say, is he hitting the ball harder this year than he was last year? Because I think one of the big problems that Nicky Lopez had uh, in his debut with the Royals was an extremely low exit velocity. He had an 83.8 mile per hour average exit velocity, which is bottom 4% of the league. So how much, if anything, did he gain there? I would imagine with a start like that, he probably is hitting the ball hard in a limited sample I would look at the average exit velocity and the max exit velocity compared to last year and try and discern from that, is there a strength gain? Is there possibly a pitch recognition gain? Because I think with Nicky Lopez, the thing I liked about him when he was called up last season, I think he was part of Fabapalooza in May, if I'm not mistaken, Mm -hmm. is that he's always had the ability to put a ton of balls in play. And we just know that that skill set is getting rewarded more than ever at least it was in in 2019 with the more lively baseball and to have such an amazingly low average exit velocity in those conditions was very troubling but at the same time it was his first exposure to big league pitching and you know there's a decent chance that he adds two three miles per hour and even if he's a lower end of the scale guy in average exit velocity with the role he has and the number of balls he puts in play he could end up being a better fantasy player than a real player in certain formats. Interesting. Yeah, no, I think that's a a good approach. Uh, It's one that's not without its problems because I think about, I think this was two seasons ago when Dixon Machado was hitting for all kinds of power the first two or three weeks of the season. And so I, I kind of took that, that approach uh, got him in fab. I mean, didn't cost a lot, but you know, I started to get a little excited, and, and then he just, you know, resumed being Nick Dixon Machado from that that point forward. So, uh, kind of going full circle to one of your first comments on this episode that, uh, you know, even the the stat cast indicators and and peripherals, uh, you know, we can see streaks appear there, and they are just streaks, but. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I think I would take that approach too and see, see where it goes. Probably not, not, not much risk in doing that. Uh, in terms of pitching, one of the things that stood out to me, partly I think because uh, this is somebody that I got in our Tout Wars auction, Tyler Glass now has 16 walks in the sim and nobody else has more than 13. And so for somebody who used to have big time walk problems, but seemed to overcome them in 2019, that's something that if this were actually happening, would have me really concerned. And Sonny Gray leads the uh, majors in the sim in strikeouts per nine and is tied with Garrett Cole with a total of 28 strikeouts. And I just feel like we haven't talked about Sonny Gray enough. Uh, we talked about you Darvish on Thursday's episode, Michael Beller and myself, uh, and his second half and how maybe we need to give that just a little extra weight. But I feel like I'm not, I'm not hearing or reading about people giving Sonny Gray the same benefit of the doubt. 
I love it because I believe in Sonny Gray. I think being reunited with his old college pitching coach, Derek Johnson, with his move to Cincinnati last season, I think that really sort of gave him the complete opposite scenario of the one he was dealing with with the Yankees. You know, it just seemed like player and organization were not in lockstep when Sonny Gray was a member of the Yankees. And it was never a question of stuff or talent. It just didn't seem like the right stuff being used the right way. Uh, clearly, there's a much better fit in Cincinnati. You know, moving AL to NL certainly helps a bit too, even though Great American Ballpark boosts home runs. Uh, but I'm with you on Sonny Gray. I think he is frequently treated like a middle-of-the-pack SP2. And I think you could build a team where if you waited for your first pitcher and he was that guy... If you chase the right combo of pitchers after him, that could easily work. I think he has top 50 overall potential uh, in 2020. Yeah, and uh, you know that may be generous, saying that he's being treated as the middle, middle of the pack SP2. He is currently 26th in ADP on Fantasy Pros among starters, uh, behind Mike Soroka, who you talked about briefly, who we talked about for a, a great length on the Thursday episode. Uh, that, to me, seems like a bit of an injustice uh, to Sonny Gray. So uh, anyways, I'm sure we'll, we'll come back to uh, the Stratomatic Sim. I just think that's really interesting to look at this uh, alternate universe. But don't forget, we also have our own alternate universe uh, in The Athletic. Grant Brisby, our uh, Giants beat writer, has written about it, introducing The Athletic Alternate Universe for the 2020 MLB season, uh, an introduction to our out-of-the-park sim. So that's going to be fun to talk about and read about. So do check out uh, Grant's piece on The Athletic. And that's going to be all for this episode and for this week here on Fantasy Baseball in 15. Check out our three-month free trial if you have not done so. Also, you can get 40% off a subscription by going to theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. And all that we do is, is going to be included as a part of that subscription. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate it if you did take the time to do that. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier. We'll be right back here on Monday. Monday.